Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, we are feeling good. I'm doing great. One question, one question only. How you feeling? Well, I feel good, and I'm doing well. Always good to hear. Always good to have you on this Tuesday edition of the DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Final hour, a lot to get to. A double dose of college football preview. It begins right now with the Penn State Nittany Lions. The D.A. Show counts down the days until the electricity of college football season returns with the game's greatest voices. Get a tip off. And Lewis going on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown over. Touchdown over. Got a block for Brooks. 50, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Don't win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Touchdown, Boston College. He did it. He did it. Cody did it. All the band is out. The Bears have won! Oh my God! The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. It's the sounds of Saturday, every morning on CBS Sports Radio. Now they shift to the Wildcat to Barkley, who takes the snap. Barkley to his left through the hole, 35, 40. There goes Barkley, 50, 35, 25, 15, 10. A little vintage Saquon Barkley on this Tuesday morning as a couple of good sophomore running backs will help lead the way this fall for Penn State. There are crosshairs this morning with our good friend, the voice of the Nittany Lions, Steve Jones, who's with us here on this Tuesday. Steve, it is Andrew. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Andrew, it's great to be with you. Looking forward to it. So, Steve, um, 11 wins last year, Rose Bowl champs, a lot of talent coming in, a lot of talent returning. The last time the expectations were this high for this program was when? Probably 17, and which would include the clip that you played that season. There were a lot of vacations. I think maybe this is the deepest team, though, that's been here at Penn State probably since 2008. Uh, they've done a good job of being too deep and in some areas three deep across the board. And that's part of the reason why there's the optimism here that exists. That being said, is there an argument for having more optimism for next year, for 2024, when all these young guys are a year older, plus the conference, while it's bigger, there's no more divisions, the playoff is bigger. Could next year be even better for Penn State? Could be, but they've got to get through, obviously, this year. And you, know, you and I both know the way this is, this plays out. How does the transfer portal work? How does the NFL draft play out? 
so that's why you try to do as much as living in the moment because I know when I'm doing off-season preparation for a pony for opponents, it takes much longer now because okay, so this guy transferred over. Yeah. Okay, so what did he do at this school? You know, and that's the way the nature of the game is. It really has changed in the last five years. It's a totally different uh, kind of uh, collegiate animal. Now, let me ask you a nerdy broadcasting question. Are you handwriting your chart still, or do you have some kind of computer program? Because at least with the computer program, the editing process is a little bit easier. Yeah, well, I use a Microsoft Excel. Okay. I am a Google Sheets guy. (laughs) But either way, that's at least easier to cut and paste or delete or move guys from one school to another. Yeah. Exactly, and that's that's exactly how I attempt to do it. <laughs> Most days it works. <laughs> Steve, walk me through uh, Drew Allen. We've heard his name. We knew he was coming. Yeah. Now he's here. What is he actually going to be like on the football field for this program at quarterback? Well, he's a calm, cool, collected player, uh, and I think that's that's part of this. But he also has a terrific release. The ball's a little bit different coming out of his hand, and what I like is that over time, he has become more accurate, leading guys into yards after the catch. It took him a little bit to get a grasp of that about a year and a half ago. Then you could see the improvement last training camp. This spring he was really, really solid. I feel he's had an excellent training camp this time around. And, I mean, I'm assuming he's benefited from unquestioned. This is his job. Like, there's been no speculation or whatever. Like, it's just been he's been able to live in this role as QB one basically since last season ended. Correct. Well, no, not really because okay. what James, James still has not named a starting quarterback yet. So it's been Drew and Bo Perbula, two guys that came in at the same time. Perbula in his, in his own right is an excellent prospect, you know, moves, can make plays. Different player, uh, right? A different type a, of quarterback. Yeah, different, a little bit different player than, than Aller happens to be. And at some point, James will name one, whether it's this week or whether it's next week. Uh, you know, it'll, you know, if he doesn't want to name it, you know, leading up to the game, that'll make my job a lot more difficult. <laughs> 15, I'll go, oh, that's Aller. Oh, it's Perbule. I think, you know, at some point, uh, he'll, he'll name name one. But Aller's been really, really good during the course of the preseason. But now you have to do it in the game. I mean, it's not like, the, you know, they can't stop the game and say, hey, we have to go over this. And we'll probably see both of them at times in games, no matter what? Will there be a change of pace package with Prabula if he's not the starter? That's an excellent question because I don't know that. That's something I'm not going to really know until they get to it. I'll say this, whomever's the quarterback is going to have a lot of round to work with. You mentioned the running backs, Singleton and Allen, two really talented guys. And it seems like the one-two punch is the deal in the Big Ten. Mine, Williams, and Travion Henderson at Ohio State. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. At Michigan, well, here at Penn State, it's been Nicholas Singleton and and Catron Allen, and that running game is going to take a lot of pressure off these quarterbacks. I mean, and that's been to me that was the big leap for Penn State last year, recapturing the running game, which they really hadn't had since uh, Journey Brown developed his heart issue after the Cotton Bowl. Combined, it was almost two thousand yards and twenty-two touchdowns as freshmen for those guys. What's a fair expectation for year two from them? Yeah, you you feel like, especially with a veteran offensive line, they can improve upon those numbers. Uh, what was interesting is that they rotated them in and out last year, and when the season was over with, you want to talk about something playing out organically. They were separated by 11 carries when the season was over last year. 
And those guys don't seem to care who's in the game and who's not. They're always next to each other in practice all the time. And with a veteran offensive line, I mean, you feel like they have the capability, especially with their respective running styles, maybe even better than numbers that you were talking about from last year. For people that didn't watch a lot of Penn State last year, are they similar running backs or they do different things when they're on, when yeah. each one's on the field? Yeah, they're a little bit different, and that's a great question because Singleton does have the ability to, boom, with that straight line speed like the 87-yard touchdown run he had in in the Rose Bowl. Allen can be a little more shifty, that jump cut. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, Allen's done a good job of being solid out of the backfield as a pass receiver. They're both good blockers, which helps, but they're just a little bit different as to how they play, and I think that really helps. Steve Jones, the voice of Penn State football with us here this morning. Sounds of Saturday on the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, Back to the quarterbacks for one second, Steve. Whoever's out there, who are they throwing to? Keandre Lambert-Smith, who had a really terrific stretch to close the season, has been a guy that's taken a lead at wide receiver. And also Trey Wallace, uh, who came on last year and played well. Both of them had great springs and have continued it during the course of the preseason. Now the question has been who's going to be the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth guy. And I think they've been able to find those guys during the course of the time. Consistency is the key. So Amari Evans, Liam Clifford, that's Sean Clifford's younger brother. He has been rock solid. Caden Saunders, Malik McLean, who's a transfer from Florida State, Malik Mega. Those are some of the guys that, to their credit, some of them were very up and down and inconsistent in the spring, have developed consistency during the preseason, and that's been a big plus. Then there's the tight ends. I mean, you know, the wide, you know, everybody talks about who's going to take over at wide receiver. The wide receivers are competing with tight ends. Because Penn State has Theo Johnson, they have Tyler Warren, they have Khalil Dinkins, and there'll be times where Penn State will play two tight ends, which will eliminate a wide receiver being on the field. I think that's seven consecutive offensive questions, Steve. So let me throw a defensive one <laughs> in here for you. Uh, is is the you know the, one of the big problems last year were handling the big boys from Michigan and Ohio yeah. State? Are the Penn State big boys on defense ready for that challenge this year? Yeah, that's something that's going to be really important. And, and, you know, James talked about bigger defensive tackles in particular. Well, two guys, Akeem Beeman and uh, Zane Durant, were, happened to be two guys that are cat quick, but, quote, in terms of weight undersized. So they, they, put, a, they put weight on that bulk during the course of the off season. But you get to a training camp and you lose weight. Well, I talked to the strength and conditioning staff, uh, last week, and I said, hey, how are they doing on weight? And he said, he said neither one has dropped a pound during the course, which is great because now they've both bulked up into the 280s, which has helped. So that's where you're, where you're going to get that bulk. Plus, Abdul Carter now, especially a linebacker, and Kobe King, they're two linebackers that are really good size. I'm talking right around that 245, 250 range inside. Carter hardly played in the game against Michigan last year. King played a little bit. And those are two guys that will give more bulk behind those defensive tackles. And then Devon Ellis is a guy that's already 302 to begin with. So, yeah, you're right. They needed to have that bulk in there, especially against a running attack like that. This is year 10, right, for James Franklin as the head coach. Um, Did a great job before there. Has done a great job bringing the program back up. Is he still somehow underrated as a head coach in college football? Yeah, I think, you know what, it's, I feel like anybody who has not brought their team to the college football playoff will be a little bit underrated. 
because there's so much concentration on the four-team playoff. And look, for Penn State, that's the goal, to get there and be a part of that You know, this year. They've been close a couple of times. Uh, if they'd had the 12-team playoff before, Penn State would have been in it four times. And I think any coach that's not there yet will be a little underrated. Uh, and, and, that, and everybody has their own circumstances as to what they have to deal with to get to this point. And James had to do a lot to get this program to this point. And this is in the best I think this is the best position he's been in as head coach. He's done a great job recruiting, building it, and they really have done a terrific job with player development. Steve, what's the fan base's reaction to all of the conference changes? Are they excited for new members? Do they prefer tradition? What's the overall reaction been? That's a great question because I was speaking in Hershey last week and somebody asked me a question about Washington coming in. And when the person was asking the question, everybody in the room groaned. Huh. Like, really? And I, and I just kind of just let it out because I thought it was an interesting reaction. And I think uh, people are traditionalists. College sports has always been regional. This is the first foray into a real national conference, coast to coast. And I think in time, people, uh, I'll say this, it will, everybody's jobs just got harder. Yeah. You know, and I mean across the board. I mean, you know, Lincoln Riley, Andy Enfield, Mick Cronin, Chip Kelly, Dana Altman, uh, you know, uh, Dan Lanning, uh, Mike Hopkins, Kalen DeBoer. Their jobs next year are going to get harder. Conversely, Juan Howard, right? <laughs> Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Chris Holtman, uh, Mike Rhodes, and James Franklin. Their jobs going to get harder because the conference is just going to be deeper. With, with quality teams. Now, you with a 12-team playoff next year, you'll be able to absorb a couple of losses and still be able to make it. But the depth of the conference is going to improve dramatically. Uh, and, but I found the, the, uh, the reaction of the crowd when the question was asked to be really interesting, and it's not the first time I've heard it. I think when the Oregon-Washington thing in some ways turned some people here off. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And for a guy sitting here in New York who, you know, growing up kind of outside the full college experience, a lot of the movements don't personally affect me, but I just it doesn't make sense that the Pac twelve is basically gone and I always think geography should win out and you know, Penn State football is one thing, but Penn State soccer or baseball, softball, whatever it is, having to go to Washington is never gonna make sense to me for a conference game. They're going to have to – to me, that's the most difficult part, and I'm glad you brought that up because football and basketball you can figure out. Yes. Okay? It's everything else. I mean, and that's the toughest element, I think, for the Big Ten office is how do you handle soccer? How do you handle baseball? How do you handle softball, volleyball? Because they play multiple times a week. Uh, and so how do you handle that? And do you put together in-season tournaments or you know, neutral locations? I don't know. Uh, but that, to me, is where the difficulty comes in. Football and basketball, for the most part, are relatively easy. I, mean, uh, I always talk about, when I talk about scheduling, I always say, uh, look, on degree of difficulty, Manhattan Project 10, scheduling less than one. Uh, you know, <laughs> this uh, is going to bring with it some, some tricks of the trade. Yeah. Uh, Steve, last question. I came across this last night. What is the Steve Jones Student Sports Broadcasting Complex? Uh, Rick and Sue Berry, uh, and Rick Berry is somebody, the first day I went to class at Penn State in 1976, I sat down and he sat next to me. We became lifelong friends. 
And Rick ended up having a really successful career. And so he and Sue donated money to a broadcast center that is located in Rec Hall on campus. And he did not want to put his name on it, so he put my name on it. And it is a fully loaded studio with all the -the state-of-the-art equipment that's used at ESPN, Fox, and so forth that really helps train young people here on the state of the art equipment that are used at the networks. And, uh, you know, it's one of those to give students every advantage possible. It just happens to have my name on it. Well, uh, as a proud graduate of a student broadcasting system at Fordham university, uh, that's an amazing gift from Rick Barry. It's amazing that your name is on it. Uh, and giving back to the next generation is a great thing. And you're not kidding. I mean, even in the description, it says Richard Barry. So it never clicked in my head that it was Rick Barry, Rick Barry. Well, no, it's not the basketball player. Oh, so I am still just an idiot. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. It's okay to ask the the question. But, you know, hey, Fordham. Didn't didn't do me well here. Hey, yeah, the Fordham, (laughs) Vince Scully, Mike Breen, I think. Yeah, Uh, no, we're we're doing well, but uh, we don't have anybody's name on anything yet. And whichever Rick Barry (laughs) this is, I appreciate his gift, and I'm sorry for confusing him with the NBA player. Oh, that that's okay because I played the basketball with this Rick Barry. He doesn't quite have the same shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve, this was fun. Safe travels. Have a tremendous season. I assume uh, we'll be playing your highlights from some big wins all season long here on the show. So again, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon. I had a great time talking with you. Great job. Thanks so much. There's uh, there's Steve Jones, the voice of Penn State football. Not a friend of Rick Barry, basketball legend. Started off really well. It's a good story. And then I ended it poorly. But it's fine. I apologize for that. Tiki Barber apologized for something yesterday. It's not what we demanded of him and his new co-workers, but it's something. A quick discussion of that, and then hopefully a flawless football conversation with Oregon voice Jerry Allen. He's next on the DA Show as well on CBS Sports. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're in between college football guests here on the DA Show on this Tuesday morning. Just spoke to Steve Jones, Penn State Radio. Jerry Allen, voice of the Oregon Ducks, is next. On yesterday's show... We let our friends down the hall locally here and you know where um, know that they are basically stealing bits. They're plagiarizing. They're being lazy, uncreative by, oh, Sean's not smart. 
let's make him take the SAT. And when they were told that he's already done that for us on the network, and it was a nearly perfect bit, multi-episodes, multiple weeks. In fact, it's never really over. It's still not over because the score remains in dispute. When they were told that, they just kept going with it. So I told them yesterday they needed to stop, that they're all better than that. I don't know if they've heard that yet. I assume they have not. No apology, no response, no nothing. But there was an apology on that show yesterday. It came from Tiki Barber, the gentleman of the group, the one I actually am most disappointed in if they continue down this SAT road with Sean because Tiki has principles. Tiki has, again, he's a professional. Last week, Tiki on the show said that the Jets, if you remember, the Jets and Bucks had two joint practices scheduled, the second of which was canceled. And then Tiki went on the air and said the second one was canceled. And I'm paraphrasing here. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. But Tiki said that Robert Sala couldn't be at the practice and didn't want that scene on hard knocks after taking some heat for looking like not being in charge of the team on episode one, that he didn't want a further episode to have him not at a practice. So the Jets canceled the practice kind of last minute and the Buccaneers were angry. And on that same day, by the way, I think Tiki posted pictures of playing golf with people from both organizations, the Jets and the Bucks. Immediately, there was pushback. That's not true. People were sharing pictures of Robert Sala at that practice that it became just a Jets practice, not a joint practice, and Sala was there. People called BS. Tiki defended his story, didn't really add more details, didn't take it back, didn't whatever, just said it and left it there. Went through the weekend, comes back yesterday, and Tiki says this about the whole situation. So yesterday or Friday, we talked uh, uh, speculatively about what was going on with the Jets and the Buccaneers practice. And I made a reckless speculation about what Coach Sala was doing. And I know that that was reckless. And I've talked to Coach Sala. I've talked to the Jets. And we've smoothed it out. I just wanted to apologize publicly to Coach Sala uh, and to and to the Jets. And I know where I went wrong in that. And we have we have talked it out, so to speak. So just wanted to get that out there because I know some people were curious about my thinking on that. But that's where it comes from. We speculate in this business, and I was wrong. So I'm going to be a gentleman here, even though we're certainly – on the precipice of war with this show of Tiki's, I'm going to come to Tiki's defense here. And I'm going to defend him because I know Tiki. Tiki's not a hot take guy. Tiki's not out there to break news. He's not out there to make anybody look bad. I don't know exactly what happened. But my guess would be that Tiki got bad information. Because, again, I don't think Tiki... He's not trying to do this. He's not eager to blow up spots. He's not eager to make anybody look bad. He's not eager to make social media clips or headlines for the show. That's not what Tiki's about. So my guess is he believed what he was told. And he said it on the radio because he thought he had it from, from a good source. And somehow he was wrong-ish. So I'm going to at least partially defend Tiki on that front. And I'll say that in general, this is what you're supposed to do if you're proven wrong. It seems like you're wrong. You have to apologize for it. We're all going to get stuff wrong in this business. 
we're all going to be wrong. And there are things you don't need to apologize. Like if you say, oh, the Ravens are going to win last night and they didn't, you don't need to apologize for that. But when you present something that has a negative impact, and this one did because it made it look like the Jets are being dishonest with the Buccaneers and whatever, you've got to take ownership for it. Whether it was your mistake or somebody else's mistake or there's blame to go all around, you've got to be an adult and you've got to say my bad and then you move on. As Tiki said, he talked to the people involved, apologized to them, got whatever new details, apologized on the air. That's how you do it. You don't say nonsense, get called out on it, and then just keep plowing through. So I still don't think Tiki intended to do anything wrong. I don't think he – I think he believed what he said on the air at the time on Friday, and something between then and Monday changed. And he did the professional thing yesterday by taking the heat, taking the blame, and taking responsibility. And – this becomes a nothing burger moving forward because Robert Sala is not going to escape the idea yet that it's Aaron Rodgers' show and not his and whatever. And every new Hard Knocks episode and number three comes out tonight is going to be a new breakdown of who's in charge and who's not. I My thoughts through two episodes were Sala's doing a good job. I think Ro- my attention has always been on Rodgers figuring out what's real and what's not. I thought Robert Sala's weird bird speech made sense to me, and I thought him yelling at his team before that Carolina preseason game, which they showed last week, I thought that's what a good head coach sounded like. I think they're going to be a good team, and they're going to win a lot of games. I think now they might win that division. The Bills have spooked me a little bit in this uh, preseason and so far through this summer, and the Dolphins are good, but they have maybe the ultimate question mark in the NFL this season in Tua. So the, the AFC is there to be won, and the Jets have the ability to win that and more than that because that roster was already talented. And then they throw Aaron Rodgers and some of his buddies on top of it. Year two for some of those young guys. I'm all in on the Jets. And I, I know Pete, if he was here, would be telling us that Sala was the second problem. They solved the first at quarterback. They haven't solved their second major problem, that head coach. But I don't think he's that much of a problem. Now, Peter Schwartz is sitting here in a Jets jersey, covers the Jets, loves the Jets. Very short answer. Are you pro or anti-Sala? Pro. Okay. Because I, I was I was down on him during the during the, the losing last year. Yeah. But I think it was a it was a byproduct of that so many other things were going wrong. Correct. So I, I think certainly given everything that's happened in the last couple of years he deserves this year with Aaron Rodgers and everything else that has been done. Now, if this blows up and they don't make the playoffs and and the Jets expect Aaron Rodgers to come back next year, you could be sure that Aaron Rodgers is going to handpick a new head coach. Yeah, and maybe it's Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. He's already there. We'll see. <laughs> We're going to go down that road again. Yeah, I, I still am like 50-50 on Rodgers, whether he's, whether he's real or not. Um, very quickly, Schwartz headlines, and then Jerry Allen will join us after the, on the other side of that. Let's start in San Diego Bogues. A grand night for the Padres. Now the pitch, and Kim swings, hits it in the air. Deep to left. Gaylock Cruz is back, looks up, going to go. Grand slam, Ha-Song Kim. And a 5 nothing Padre lead in the second. Jesse Agler, Padres Radio. Padres go on to beat the Marlins 6-2. to Now to Houston, where the Astros beat the Red Sox 9-4. Chaz McCormick homering twice, drove in four as the Astros 
bounce back from getting swept by the Mariners over the weekend. Yeah, we needed that big time. Um, you know, we had a tough weekend, obviously. Um, but to come out, put some runs on the board, Javier pitched well, our bullpen always pitches well. Um, it was a good W, you know. I hope we keep the momentum going for this homestand. Astros have a half-game lead over Seattle in the AL West, and the Mariners just keep on winning. Here's the pitch to Cal, swinging a drive. Deep to right field again, and goodbye baseball. The big dumper does it again. Cal Raleigh with his second home run of the ball game. Way out of here to right field to the top row. The bleachers in right. Rick Riz, Mariners Radio. Cal Raleigh homered twice, drove in six. Mariners win their seventh in a row, beat the White Sox 14-2. Reds and Angels in Anaheim postponed because of the tropical storm. Hillary will play a doubleheader Wednesday. Other games in 11, Diamondbacks 4, Rangers 3. The A's walk it off on the Royals 6-4. Mets 10, Braves 4. You had the Pirates over the Cardinals 11-1. The Phillies beat the Giants 10-4. Bryce Harper and inside the park home run there. The Cubs beat the Tigers 7-6. Now the NFL, one of the most intriguing yet meaningless streaks has come to an end. Snap is good. Kick is on the way. It is long enough, and it is good. And with nine seconds remaining, the Ravens' preseason win streak is in danger. Graham Weinstein, Commanders Radio. Commanders beat the Ravens 29-28, sending Baltimore's 24-game, ending Baltimore's 24-game winning streak. And you heard Joey Sly hit the game-winning 49-yard field goal with nine seconds left. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh putting the streak into perspective. You're proud of it, of course. You know, you, you appreciate it. But the thing that you're proud of is all those games were mostly just like that. You know, preseason games that people want to write, write about, some of you in here want to write about and say they don't mean anything. Because you never played the game. You never were out there in a preseason game. You never were fighting for a spot on the team. And yet you have the audacity to say that the effort that somebody puts into that to win and fight and win a game like that is meaningless. And also from the NFL, the Colts reportedly grant running back Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. Peter, thank you very much. Without further ado, we continue our college football preview right now with the voice of the Oregon Ducks. He is Jerry Allen. He's good enough here this morning to hang out with us. Jerry, it's Andrew in New York. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for holding on through that. We appreciate it. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited. Football, a real football game is coming up. How can you not be excited? I it sneaks up on you, even though you've been preparing for a long time. All of a sudden, it's the end of August, and there are actually games this weekend. Uh, it's it's crazy times, and you are uh, the voice of a team that has had prolonged success now under multiple head coaches, different quarterbacks, different players across the board. Uh, this year, it's, I guess, the Bo Nix show in Oregon. He got to you guys with, a, I don't know, a mixed reputation coming out of the SEC. What was different last year about Bo Nix? What allowed him to take that big jump nationally? Well, I think you just reset. You know, you, you get into a, maybe a little bit of a funk and the fans aren't, you know, on your side and things don't seem to be going well. And so you're, you're, you're uptight and you're just not relaxed and doing what you do. So, we, you know, he went out to some greener pastures and, uh, and he matured. He grew up um, and, and he made a major change. Things started going well for him when he got here right away, too. And that, that always turns things around. So, He's just a more mature young man now with a fan base and a coaching staff behind him that believed in him from the time he got here. I think there's a billboard here in Manhattan for his Heisman campaign. I mean, the hype is is pretty legit for him as this new season begins. What's a fair expectation? How can he improve on last year? Well, you you have to um, you have to have the mental aptitude to to, uh, to understand that no matter how well you did 
that you can get better. And, and he believes that. He, you know, he'll tell you not what he accomplished. He'll talk about the mistakes he made. He'll talk about not staying healthy. He puts that on himself. So there's some goals he has to, to be an even better quarterback and to stay away from the injury bug and, and finish. If he doesn't get injured late in the season last year, Oregon uh, had a very good chance, I think, of being in that, that playoff situation. So uh, he, he wants to get this team there for Dan Lanning, uh, to thank Dan Lanning for giving him an opportunity to come out. Jerry, it seems like Oregon's had a string of every season. There's just that one loss that doesn't make sense, that kind of does them in. How do they kind of break that mojo this year? Well, I think you you put it behind you and don't think about that. And your focus and Dan Lanning and his staff are very good at living in the moment. All right? don't, don't tell me what happened last year. Don't tell me what happened last week. I don't know what happened yesterday, Okay. We're, we're, we got a game coming up, and the whole focus is there. And so, uh, I think that's what you do: is you you put the past, the history in the past, and you and you don't think about that game or that team or whatever happened last year. I mean, that's all you can do. It's what you can do in life, and I think they've really got this across to their guys. This team, uh, the school was busy in the transfer portal. Players leaving, players coming in. I want to start with the with the number of guys that left. Anybody alarmed by the amount of turnover in the program? Does that mean anything about the coaching staff? No, I don't think so. And you've got a new coaching staff. Um, you know, Coach Lanning came in last year, and I'm sure there are a number of guys. And it's like this on every college football team across America that not only with new coaching staffs, but um, situations where kids didn't get to play enough or didn't get treated the way they thought they should. I think when you bring a new coach in like Dan Lanning, the, some of the kids that were in because of the previous coaches are going to go, you know, you didn't, you didn't recruit me. Um, I, I didn't, I, I don't like being out here now. I have an opportunity to go. So I'm going to, I don't think it's anything bad against the coaches. I don't think it's bad against the kids. The system has allowed them, to go where they want to feel more comfortable. And if you've got a new coach who didn't recruit you and you want to go somewhere else, I guess I kind of understand that. Now, about the guys coming in, who were some of the big new names that we're going to see doing things for the Ducks this fall? Well, I like uh, I like Kenyon Sadiq at a tight end. He's just a big kid. He's 6'3", 220 fast, four-star kid that, that they hope is going to make an impact and 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 play right away. Gosh, there's there's a lot of guys. I, I think there's some young guys. Uh, Tatum Tioti is a freshman. Uh, Sheldon High School. His dad's coaching here, and and he is going to be a guy that's going to have to play a lot. They're gonna they're probably going to have a handful of freshmen that come in and play right away. I'm trying to look at my offensive chart here and find out which guys might make the biggest difference. Um, oh gosh. Well, I was going to ask you. I'm a big FCS guy, and I think you've got a Rhode Island kid playing right tackle for you guys am i am i remembering that correctly yeah you're right but let me look and see we're right <laughs> in the middle of we're right in the middle of fall ball so i'm learning this as much as everybody else is there's so but that's one thing for radio guys the transfer portal and and the new kids coming in have made it much more difficult and in a very short period of time to learn all the new guys that have come in to I play know. football for you. So I'm still learning those it, guys. it used to be good to be seeing a team every year or for you know for basketball, seeing them for a second time, but now it doesn't it doesn't matter. There's so much turnover. You might have seen them for five straight years, but every year it's a different batch of kids playing for them. No, it is. It is. And it's it's you know, and some some teams can adapt to that very quickly. 
and and have no problem with that. And a lot of that has to do with, I think, your senior leadership, too, and in, in, in allowing those kids to come in and be a part of the family right away. So we'll see. Jerry, assuming the offense matches the production of last year, what does the defense have to do better this year for Oregon to kind of keep up the pace? Well, it's kind of got to do everything better. I, you know, this is, was not a bad defense, but it was Dan Lanning's first year as a head coach, and he's a defensive guy. And, and so he, he, I'm not sure he had all the pieces, the size and the speed that he wanted on that defense. Uh, this year with the transfer portal and the recruiting they've done, I think he's got more of his pieces. So they got to get more pressure on the quarterback. This is a conference this year that is loaded with quarterbacks who love to throw the ball, and there's several of them that if they don't throw the ball are very happy to tuck it and run. Yeah. They're very good at it. So gotta, you gotta, the edges have got to really perform, um, get upfield, don't let those guys that get outside, and get some pressure on the quarterback. I think they're going to be in good shape in the in the back end. Evan Williams comes in. Um, his brother played here. He's going to he's going to play a safety. Twyford Bridges is back in the back end, along with Jaleel Florence and uh, Jamal Hill is going to move from the back end up to a linebacker. So they're moving some pieces around. Jordan Birch uh, is one of those guys who came from South Carolina that's going to put pressure on the outside. Um, and Mace Funa is back, and that'll help. So the defense is going to be better. How much better? That we won't know, but it is definitely going to be better. And with the offense, offense is going to score a lot of points. I heard somebody say the way to beat USC is outscore them. Well, there are four or five teams in the conference that can outscore each other. So I think it will come down to which team has the best defense. And I really think I see Oregon's defense improving the most out of all those teams. Jerry, do we know yet how many different uniform combinations we're going to see from the Ducks this season? Right now, uh, I know we've only got like 11 or 12 games, but they're up to 462 different changes. <laughs> uh, I've seen a couple that don't seem to be conducive to calling a game on the radio where it's hard to see numbers. Um, they should almost ask for your input sometimes to get enough contrast in there to help you guys out. There's one that was like white on silver, I think. That's got to be impossible for you guys to see from the press box. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. It really is. It's hard. It reminds me of the old UCLA powder blue with the gold numbers. I mean, they just kind of went together, and you you couldn't see them. Funny story, Mike Bellotti um, had a new Bellotti font for numbers one year, and we just couldn't see it. The next year, um, Coach had resigned, uh, retired from coaching. He was in our broadcast booth and doing a game with us, and his first comment was, Holy cow, you can't see my numbers from up here. (laughs) We tried to tell you that. (laughs) Well, at least he eventually listened to you guys, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Jerry, last question. You're talking to a New Yorker where the station we're sitting in is in New York, so we can't possibly understand this. But when the news broke of Oregon leaving for the Big Ten, we talked right away about Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, the rivalries that – Uh, seem to be dying here. And there were some of us, I'm not naming names in the room, that can't comprehend it. If For outsiders like us, walk me through what Oregon-Oregon State football means year in and year out. Well, for 100 years or so, it was the game that, you know, all fans looked forward to. I mean, it's your in-state rival, you know, it's it's the uh, you know the little contest uh, you know playing cornhole in the backyard with your next door neighbor that you've been doing for 50 years and there's a lot of beer on the line. I mean you look forward to this game 
because you hated your competition so much you couldn't live with them in the state all year if you didn't win the game. And and that goes away. And, you know, it's a, that's sad. I mean, my heart is broken for Washington State and for Oregon State not knowing what their future is going to be. But the, the history, I, I was I was pretty crushed. I've been the voice for 37 years now and a big fan even before that. So it was it was hard to swallow. But at the same time, I have so much respect for the Big Ten. Their tradition to be a part of that is pretty exciting. So it's uh, it's mixed emotions. Uh, Jerry, this was fun. As I was sitting here, got multiple tweets from listeners how great it was to hear you on the show. So thank you so much for being part of the things here this morning. We appreciate it. Have a great season, and hopefully uh, we'll talk to you during it as well. I certainly hope so. I'll look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. That's Jerry Allen, voice of the Oregon Ducks. His Sounds of Saturday concludes today. Uh, Tomorrow, Florida State's on the show. Thursday, USC is on the show. And that's as far as I can remember for this week. Next week, there's Georgia. There might be Florida. I don't know. And I'm grasping at straws. This is a Boyle production. Boyle like, unofficially interviewing for Sean's job by booking Sounds of Saturday. But you've got three more shows this week, five next week, eight more shows before we're really fully into the opening of the college football season. So uh, a lot of time left to preview the action, and we'll be busy doing it for you here on the DA Show. For now, though, we step aside. We come back. Your epic fail, advanced analytics, all of that after this on CBS Sports Radio. So Moist Pork created a lot of problems on today's show by trashing a nine-year-old guest in his house for asking for hot cocoa. That trouble included today's epic fail. Even the DA Show is not perfect. We know. Shocking. Here's the epic fail. Moist Pork... Joining us on Trash Tuesday. I got a lot of meat on my bones. Good morning. My nine-year-old had a sleepover, and her friend wanted hot cocoa for breakfast. We didn't have any instant, so she tells me a recipe her mother uses. Heating up milk, baking cocoa, confectioner's sugar. I looked at her and said, nope. What cereal do you want? Trash her. Is Oscar the Grouch living in there? I want to be on his side here, but I've got to point out that most responses to this tweet... Um, have not been kind to Moyes for trashing a nine-year-old for wanting hot cocoa? I think you're an idiot. He's fine. He's fine. You can't go to someone's house expecting them to cook something for you. Kind of um, a bum. But you're nine. I think I don't know that you know what you're, what you're asking for. But to have the whole recipe memorized? I go in a urinal, I go in the stall, wherever. Yeah, I think the better play is to just say, oh, I don't have that stuff either. Like, I don't have... I'm Team Mo- Moist Pork. It's Lucky Charms or nothing, sweetie. Good luck catching me in the charm world. Kids got to learn. Yeah. You just, I think you can let her down gently. Instead it's of, not a diner. That was a taste. I bet you can't wait for the entree. You're not, when you go to somebody Thank else's you, house, it's not a diner. And down the stretch they come. I tell we, we tell our kids that all the time. And you are going to like it. We get invited over somewhere. You you deal with it until we leave. Smacked by sausage and peppers. Nathan and I will always have the same conversation with the kids. We're going over for dinner at so-and-so's house. If you don't like what they have, just, you know, nibble on it and don't complain about it. And when we leave, if you're still hungry, we will stop somewhere, drive through, and get you something to eat. So stop complaining when somebody is nice enough to invite you over to their house. All right. Food is family. Moist. This room, you've got our support. Need to hear that. Epic fail, you loser. That is why you fail. Epic fail. Three-fourths of the room are on moist side, and so is the overwhelming majority to our poll question. 
Are you obligated to cook something from scratch for a guest at your child's sleepover? 51 people voted, and 90% of that, so that's what, 45%, said no. You are not obligated to make something from scratch for a guest at your child's sleepover. Just 10% of us voted yes to being a nice host at your 9-year-old daughter's sleepover. So I want to thank Moise Pork, though, for at least producing content on a Trash Tuesday. Two different ways he went about that for us. A poll question, an epic fail. That's that's a lot of DA show bingo on a Tuesday uh, from Moise Pork. Tommy Topspin is, I guess, on my side here. I love the guy, but I'm trashing Moise Pork for not having hot cocoa in the house. Are we against this scrumptious fall-winter drink? I mean, pumpkin spice is already out. Hashtag you need to eat like this. Hashtag Swiss Miss. I smell rotten eggs. Aaron, I'm trashing our kid's school bus. Schedule pickup 820. We get there 805. Proceed to wait until 840. Still no bus, so I had to take them. Hashtag how could it happen? Hashtag mine eyes. Totally gross, dude. I mean, at that point, the kids don't go to school, right? I mean, that's the that's the conclusion you reach. The bus didn't Give come. Up. It's a free day. And that's on the bus, not on me. I don't want the kids home. I, I would bite the bullet and, and drive them. Yeah, no, you take them to school. Get them out of yeah, here. Sorry. Not Get out of here. We just got the update that the bus stop actually moved closer to our house. So now my wife thinks she can just watch the kids walk halfway down the block and wait for the bus. Doesn't have to leave our, like, our front little walkway. Just wave out the window. See you later. And then they can come home by 15 steps on their own, too. It's a big win for the Bogish family. Uh, huge thanks to Steve Jones and to Jerry Allen this morning. My thanks to Kevin Wald, to Ryan, and to Schwartz. Tomorrow, a Caserta in the house as well, plus more college football preview. But for now, the mothership disconnects. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 